Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we are the voices of Tarbis. In a nutshell, we travel to different historical places and events and we blog about them. But we wanted to try a different medium, so we're branching out into podcasts. Each week we'll have a chat about different periods of history, important events and extraordinary people in one way or another. And we'll round it all off with a relevant, ridiculous death. So, sit back, grab a drink and enjoy Tarbis After Hours. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of year. We're sitting here with a glass of mulled wine in front of a crackling fire, a box of celebrations to hand. Other sweets are available. Celebrations are the only ones I have in my home at this moment in time. In fairness, I think, you know, roses don't have Snickers. Well, or Maltesers. Mm. Sorry, I'm just having a munch. (laughs) It's Christmas, it's what you're meant to do. Yeah. Tis the season to be a roly-poly. It is. So, these next two weeks are going to be Christmas-themed. In case you hadn't gathered. This one, we thought we would do the history of Christmas and its origins. Mm -hmm. And next week is going to be the big man himself, or the real version of the big man himself. Yes. Oddly enough, not Jesus. No. No. The big red man. uh, Stant Niklaus. Mm. But for this week... Christmas! Yep. Right. Christmas. The time is actually fairly recent. Did you know that? It refers to Christus Masse, which means Mass on Christ's Day. Um, it was originally called Yule, from the Germanic Yule, or Anglo-Saxon Yule, meaning the Feast of Winter Solstice, which is the 21st to the 22nd of December, which is later on this week. Now, um, it was also known as Navidad in Spanish. Feliz Navidad! Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, Natale in Italian. There is no song called Natale. There's a Bruno Mars song, Natale. Is there? I think so, yeah. Um, There's Noel. The first Noel. Or possibly because of their links to the nativity. Nativity, birth, Noel, blah, blah. Okay. Um, The German, Weihnachten, means hallowed night. Did I say that right? Weihnachten? Woo! Yay! Um, it's actually been a family holiday since the early 20th century, um, and it's become increasingly devoid of Christian elements involving the mythical Santa Claus. <clears throat> Spoiler, if there's any children listening, she did not mean that. I didn't mean mythical Santa Claus. I didn't mean that Santa was a myth. I mean, the guy that you see on the Coke adverts is a myth. However, St. Nicholas, San- the real Santa Claus, is a real person. He actually was a real person. And you'll find that out next week. Yes, you will. But for now, um, in early Christianity, the date of Jesus' birth and the celebration were different. Okay. Within the first couple of centuries of the religion, there was actually strong opposition to celebrating his birth. His with a capital H. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. Or that of martyrs. Mm -hmm. It was believed that the dates of their martyrdoms should be celebrated, not the birth, as was a pagan custom. So, pagans celebrated birthdays, but they celebrated death days, so to speak. Yeah. The so, days they became a martyr, and yeah. to be a martyr obviously means that you die for your cause. Yeah, and Jesus being supposedly the ultimate martyr. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the 25th of December was identified by... Sextus Julius Africanus. In 22, no, 221 CE, and has also been attributed to Pope Julius I, mm-hmm. and uh, stuck... But there is no mention in the New Testament of that date. Yeah, they don't actually put a date for Jesus' birth, or even a time period, like a month or a season. 
they just say it was around the time that um, they decided to do the census and they left to go back to Bethlehem to do the census and there was no room at the inn blah 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 so it's also believed that this is um, now pardon the word I'm about to use but it makes sense is the Christian bastardization of the day of the unconquered sun or Deus Natalis Solis Invicti which was celebrated in the Roman Empire as a resurgence of the sun after the winter solstice and the rebirth of spring and summer so by bastardization I mean that it was taken from that and changed because as we've said before it was a lot easier like we said on the um, Halloween one it was a lot easier to adapt the old pagan customs into Christianity because it made people more more likely to stick to Christianity and not rebel. Yeah, and um, another theory is that if the spring equinox marks the creation of the earth and the conception of Jesus, then nine months later is Christmas when Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And his baptism then on January the 6th, which was when the feast was actually celebrated for a long time. Yeah, and now it's called the Feast of the Epiphany, or when the three supposedly wise men finally found the baby Jesus. It took them 13 days from seeing the star. They were following a star. Give the guys a break. You know, it's not like a map or even a road. It's a star. I mean, the biggest... On, a, yeah. on an earth that rotates. Like, give the dudes a break. This is true. And they could only follow it for half of the day. And uh, they ended up actually going to Herod's palace. So the one person that they probably didn't want to encounter is the one person they did encounter. Well, that's life, isn't it? But I did hear a joke <clears> that the biggest <throat> myth about um, Jesus' Jesus's birth, the fact that there were three wise men. Uh, right, um, Christmas itself actually began to be widely celebrated into the 9th century but it wasn't as important as Good Friday or Easter because of like, the martyrdom side of things mm-hmm. Roman Catholics were the first to celebrate Midnight Mass and Protestants held late night candle mass services on Christmas Eve have you ever heard of candle mass? I have actually and yeah. um, I, I was um, obviously you were brought up Roman Catholic I was mm-hmm. brought up um, Church of England Yep. So we have kind of different. I didn't realise it how different it was how we celebrated things like Christmas. And the ultimate irony here is then, like I'm, I'm Roman, or I was born. I'm not anymore. I was born Roman Catholic. You were raised Protestant. You're married to a Jehovah's Witness. I am. Mix, huh? Isn't it? Yep. But um, none of those contemporary customs are rooted in theology or. Liturgical? Yes, I did. You had trouble saying that earlier as well, to be fair. I have trouble saying words, it's fine. <laughs> it's what dyslexic does for you. Fair enough. Um, but we can, tra- we can trace using fir branches mm-hmm. as decorations to the Renaissance era yeah. of the 15th century CE, mm-hmm. thanks to Sebastian Brandt. Yeah. Fir trees as a whole were recorded in 1611. That was a Silesian duchess, I think, that wrote about that, yeah. So yep. we've got, like, trees being used back to then. So they used trees as garlands and things. So doesn't, doesn't your mum still do that? Like, she wraps garlands around the, uh, the stairs. Around the staircase, yeah. yeah. See, I, I would, but you know, I'm, I get a lot of spiders in my house, and I don't want to be unwrapping Ugh. them with spiders. Oh, no, yeah. mate. Um, the advent calendar. Everybody likes an advent calendar? I do. I have a candle one this year. I've got a beauty one. I think my mum got it for me. I think she's trying to tell me something. Anyway, <laughs> the advent calendar was based on the advent wreath, which held 24 candles. Um, the colours corresponding to meanings, such as you'd have a purple candle for penitence, and you would light them on the corresponding day and let them burn down as you said your prayers, things like that. Um, so when you lit the purple one for penitence, you were supposed to 
pray for forgiveness and think about all your, like, confess your sins and so on. Um, the first commercial advent calendars, as we know them now, actually started in Germany in 1851. So actually not that long ago then? No, it's fairly recent, to be fair. And we can thank the Germans for a lot of our customs, if I'm honest. Well, to be fair, yeah. Um, Christmas gift giving um, actually dates back to the 15th century, mm-hmm. um, but was more focused on family and friends rather than the celebration. So, guess what? What? It was outlawed by the Puritans. Yes. Oliver Cromwell. <clears throat> the panto villain of the era. And banned completely in North America and England. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, yes, it was. Hey. Oh. Um, <laughs> Christmas cards were first sent in England in the 19th century. Again, fairly recent. Um, St. Nicholas comes in some European cultures on the 6th of December, so a bit earlier. And the actual night of the birth, not uh, sorry, that's not the actual night of the birth. Um, but again, North America intervenes, so it's kind of like North America says it, the rest of the world does it. They're quite an influential country, in case you hadn't noticed. And um, now they're given on the morning of the 25th. The repercussion of this being that it's led to almost an extinction of Christmas morning church services. Because most people are getting up, having breakfast, having presents, you know, watching whatever's on the TV that morning... You say that, but actually this year I'm going to witness the royal family attending their church service on Christmas morning. <laughs> you are, to be fair, but you're a member of the Associated Press, though. So. Yeah. Ooh, how does that feel saying that? <laughs> <laughs> so, the original observance of Christmas actually lasted a week. A whole week of Christmas. See, I have that anyway because my birthday's in the middle, so I just have Christmas, New Year, my birthday's in the middle... The whole week is just celebration. See, technically, if we were to celebrate it right up until the Feast of the Epiphany, my birthday comes the day before the Feast of the Epiphany. So it would be Christmas, your birthday, my birthday, Epiphany, over. Sorted. Sorted. And, um... Oh, sorry, I apologise, that was my <gasps> phone. Oh, how unprofessional. Can't have seen! <laughs> um, Shame. Shame. <laughs> oh, and it happens And again, again <laughs> Carrie, just put your phone on. I do apologise for this brief, um, interview interlude that Carrie had been so rudely leaving his phone on. It's now on vibrate. Um, yeah, so the Christmas lasting a week, it's now been reduced to Boxing Day thanks to growth in business. <sighs> so we can thank business for that. The stock market, stock exchange, FTSE 100. I still celebrate it. Blah, blah, blah. L- listen to me, FTSE 100, like I know anything about the stock market. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, maths is not my strong suit. Two plus two is who knows. Right, let's talk about some of the origins so it's like Christmas in a nutshell so how about the origins of some of the customs well um, in Scandinavia Norse celebrations of Yule lasted from the 21st of December to the end of January so you're looking there at almost six weeks yes Um, fathers and sons would bring home large logs and a feast would last until that log burnt out sometimes as much as 12 days 12 days of feasting that sounds like my kind of party home of the 8th would have loved it well, that's where you get the idea of the Yule log from, like the um, the big chocolate log. The Yule log. Thank you, Scandinavia. <laughs> um, they believe that each spark from the fire was a new pig or calf to be born. It that's was, when, and it was when most crops were harvest, harvested. Mm-hmm. Um, animals were slaughtered, and beer and wine was fermented enough to drink. That makes sense because your crops are harvested, so they're being kept over the winter to eat during the winter. And then your animals being slaughtered, it's less to less animals to feed over the winter, and it's probably the first time any of them would have tasted meat for months on end. So, and you know, beer and wine. Everybody likes beer and wine. And in the middle of the winter, beer blanket. It warms you up. Yeah, exactly. 
mulled wine by the fire. I mean, we're not sure if, you, if it's actually picking it up on the microphone, but there is a crackling fire in the background. There is. <laughs> I would pick up the mic and take it over there, but there is a chance I might fall over because there's a lead in the way. Very, very high yes. chance. <laughs> so, that was Scandinavia. Scandinavia. One of my favourite places. Now over to another one of my favourite places, ancient Rome. Saturnalia. You ever heard of the phrase? Nope. Saturn was um, the Roman god of al- agriculture, and the Saturnalia was the feast in his honour. Um, it began the week leading up to the solstice and lasted a full month. Um, things during the Saturnalia, things just basically went topsy turvy. You, you remember when we did a lagabalas, we said how strict the Romans were on yeah. the rules. Well, slaves became masters. Um, peasants controlled the city, and businesses and schools were closed. So basically, everything just flipped on its head for a whole month. Did the slaves ever turn around and kill their masters in that mo- in the? Uh... Saturnalia. Well, if they did, they would have been severely punished afterwards. But they'd be. But the masters were dead. Yeah, but the masters had friends. But and the entire Roman military. I mean, just look at Spartacus. That didn't end well for Spartacus. I yeah. am Spartacus. No, you're not. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, that was Saturnalia. There was also Juvenalia in honor of the children of Rome, and there was also the feast of Mithra or Mithras. Um, who was a, he was like an Indo, like, sort of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was like an ancient Indian sort of god. And he was known as the god of the unconquerable sun. Well, if you're going to be a god, you'd want to be a god of something unconquerable. Yeah, this is pretty fair. He was an infant god born of a rock. Wait for it. He had 12 followers. And when he died, he was resurrected three days later. Hmm. I do believe I have heard that before. It is entirely possible. I mean, maybe not the rock bit. Yeah, Mary ain't no rock. But that is a form of miraculous conception. That is. Indeed. Although how you would be born of a rock, I'm not entirely sure. So, um, the idea of Jesus at his birth, everyone says, like, you, you assume he's born at Christmas time. It's entirely possible he may have been born either in autumn or in the spring. The big clue there? Shepherds. Well, shepherds watch their flocks by night. What shepherd in their right mind would watch their flocks out in the middle of winter? I mean, you're, you're from, you grew up in Norfolk. You know a bit about farming <laughs> country. You know, would, how many sheep do you see wandering around in winter? Not very many. There you go, then. Um, let's not talk about the three wise men again. Um, <laughs> in the Middle Ages, they had a, there was a mass, and then there was a big drunken feast, kind of like modern-day Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Just anything goes, everybody's drunk, you're having a great time, you honestly couldn't care less until you get the hangover the next morning. Or the next week, knowing then they probably partied for a week. But then they would pick a beggar or a youth, if it was in like some sort of college area, and they would name him the Lord of Misrule. And he would like lord it up over everyone, and everyone would play along, having great fun, pretending to be a subject. You get a load of beggars that would go around to, um, to people's houses and beg for food and drink. And if they didn't get it, then they would there would be just all kind of mischief on the on the owners of the property. Oh, so again, it's the sort of trick or treat idea, yeah, but with a Christmas theme. Well, I have some Christmas traditions to throw your way, Carrie. Oh, hit me with it. Feeling Not a little bit crazy. Ooh. So um, there are some that we've touched on, but with mm. a little bit more detail. So for starters, Christmas cards. Yep. Um, having helped set up the public records office. 
now known as the post office. Right. Sir Henry Cole and artist John Horsley created the very first Christmas card in 1843 as a way of encouraging people to use the post office. Okay. Um, cards would cost a shilling, which is equivalent to about £5.75 now. <coughs> so, so what? Six quid to send a Christmas card. Yeah, you actually choked. She really did. She actually choked. And um, but stamps would uh, cost a penny, so about forty p at most common prices. Yeah. So you'd spend five pound on a card, mm-hmm. and then forty p to send it. So you're looking five at five pound like, a card. I'd take it myself. I don't know. <laughs> you've seen some of the ones they sell in like Clintons. You're looking at true. Yeah. Um, but advances in printing brought the prices down, mm. making cards hugely popular by the 1860s. And by 1900, the custom of selling Christmas cards had spread throughout Europe. Right, so, next tradition is awesome. Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> so, while Christmas trees have been around for a millennium in Northern Europe, mm-hmm. the first one didn't appear in the UK until the uh, 1830s. Hmm. Yeah, and that's when uh, Prince Albert put up a Christmas tree at Rinzer Castle in 1841. Good old Prince Albert. And he started what became an evergreen trend. Yeah. But what he did, and this was made, this is what's shown on the TV show Victoria, mm. was he actually had a Christmas tree brought into the house for him, one for him, one for Victoria, and one for each of their children. Yeah. And each child would have their presents put underneath their own tree. Hmm. And he used to suspend them from the ceiling. Wow. But what I don't get is, because they did used to put, like, real candles on Christmas trees. Mm. Fire hazard, right there. I mean, pretty much most of stuff around Christmas is a fire hazard. I mean, have you ever seen tinsel go up in smoke? Oof. Not in smoke, I've seen them go up in flames. I hope you choke on your tea. (laughs) (laughs) Very rarely I get to say anything with you when it comes to words. So I'm taking it where I can. Uh, go for it, go for it. Okay, so another one, which we haven't actually got out with us, even eating all this stuff and being Christmassy, mince pies. Oh, mate. Yeah. Early mince pies were actually made of meat, fruit and spice and were inspired by Middle Eastern cuisine brought back by the Crusaders. Oh. They commonly had 13 ingredients representing Christ and the Apostles and of were course. formed in a large oval shape to represent the manger. Okay. Meat had disappeared uh, from the recipe by Victorian times. Well done. Yeah. Although beef suet is often still included. Yeah, in the pastry. Makes it a thick pastry. Although personally, I, I do prefer a nice short crust rather than meat than suet. I like Mr. Kipling's. Other varieties are available. Yes, this is my personal opinion. These are just exceedingly good. Hey! I have tried to make mince pies once before. I have successfully made mince pies before. Oh, well done. Yes. It's not very often I, bra- I bake, but sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> I, I break all the time. It's not very often I bake. Next tradition. Stockings. Ooh. Leaving stockings out at Christmas goes back to the legend of St. Nicholas. Uh, known as the gift giver, on one occasion he sent bags of gold down a chimney at the home of a poor man who had no dowry for his unmarried daughters. Oh, what a nice guy. The gold fell into stockings left hanging to dry. St. Nicholas was later referred to by the Dutch as Stinkle Klaus and eventually by English speakers as Santa Claus. So that's a little little insight into the next week's but so why it's called a stocking because he was giving money to the poor see i am actually looking at the stockings over your fireplace and i should just say that um we 
we each lived together at one point. We did. And we put our names and nicknames on the stockings. And your husband's is called Hobbit. Yes. Because that is my nickname for him, because he's tiny. He's not tiny. He's average height for a man. You're just tall. He's five foot seven, which is actually the, the peak height for a Hobbit. You could not be a Hobbit if you're more than five foot seven. <sighs> Christmas crackers. <laughs> Um, London sweet maker Tom Smith invented Christmas crackers in the late 1840s. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tom Smith. Could you get a more fundamentally British name than Tom Smith? John Smith? Um, Christmas crackers, so he made them in the 1840s and they were inspired by traditional paper-wrapped French bonbons. All right. Oh, I see that, yeah. Even though he included mottos or riddles inside each, which we obviously still do today, Mm -hmm. it was not until he found a way to make them crack when pulled apart that sales really took off. His sons, Tom, Walter and Henry, later added hats and novelty gifts. Aww. So it started off with just being a sweet wrapped up with a, with a riddle inside. Mm. And then he made a crack. And then, he, then his sons added the presents and the, uh, the hats. Ah. Go Brother Smith. Isn't it? So uh, the holly and the ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, synonymous with uh, Christmas and the subject of a traditional British folk carol. Mm-hmm. Both holly and ivy were originally used in pre-Christian times to celebrate the winter solstice, hmm. as they provide a rare splash of colour to the darkest month of the year. Their popularity has endured. I had a rare splash of colour to that Christmas wreath on your front door. As well as my bright pink bubbles look like Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Yeah. Turkey! Okay. No, that's chicken. <laughs> Maybe we should not have drunk the old wine before we press play. Whoops. Uh, turkeys originated in Mexico and were first brought to Britain. To Britain? <laughs> this is going so well. Please don't turn off. <laughs> turkeys originated in Mexico and were first brought to Britain in 1526 by William Strickland. Henry VIII, Mabe enjoyed turkey and although the bird became fashionable in high society in the late 19th century it was actually Edward VII who made it um, a regular at Christmas for the middle classes because yeah, they used to eat peacock and swan didn't they yep can't eat swan now um, even by 1930 however it took a week's wages to buy one and yeah. turkey remained a luxury until the 1950s wow um, another Christmas tradition is Christmas pudding now pudding. I don't like Christmas pudding because I, I have a thing with fruitcake. I don't really like fruitcake. No, you don't. No, so that's why I'm not a huge fan of Christmas pudding. But also known as a plum or figgy pudding, uh, this Christmas staple possibly has its roots as far back as the Middle Ages hmm. in a wheat-based pottage known as frumpty. Okay. Uh, by the mid-17th century, it was thicker and had developed into a dessert with the addition of egg, dried fruits and alcohol. In Victorian times, plum pudding was a Christmas favourite and it was traditionally made a week before Advent on what is known as the stir-up Sunday. So it used to be like a family, everyone would get together and stir up the Christmas pudding a week before Advent, so Mm. the week before the beginning of December, and make the Christmas pudding. (laughs) So uh, another one yes, is the good old favourite of all you singletons, mistletoe. (sighs) Hanging mistletoe in the home is an ancient pagan practice adopted by early Christians. The word itself is an Anglo-Saxon and the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe originated in England. It's going so great. Each kiss required a berry to be plucked until none remained. Oh, I'd get there after all the berries are plucked, wouldn't I? (laughs) 
This is my so love. And it'd be like a really, really gorgeous looking guy as well. Yeah, just like, oh, oh yep. no berries. So one last uh, Christmas tradition yes. is the good old Christmas carol. Mm-hmm. Carols were songs and dances of praise and joy in pagan times, and the practice of carol singing carried over into the Christmas era. Carols have been written through the centuries, but the most familiar date from Victorian times. Today's popular ones, such as Bing Crosby's White Christmas and Slade's Merry Christmas, Everybody, are just a part of fun of Christmas carols. That's traditions. Yeah, but how, how do people celebrate it around the world? So... I have no idea. I'm quite ignorant when it comes to Christmas. Give me a country and I'll see if I can enlighten you. Let's go to Haiti. Haiti. Right now, Haiti, not the not the luckiest of places, quite quite poor. But um, they do start looking for Christmas trees towards the, the start of December. Obviously not well known for their Christmas trees over in Haiti. Um, they cut pine branches or they go to their markets and actually get trees that are bought from the mountains because they would have to import them down from the mountains. Um, they then decorate them with bright ornaments as we do and at the bottom of the tree they put a nativity scene and sometimes the trees and the scenes are actually that elaborate they take up an entire living room wow so that's dedication Um, and your churches and your and places like like big communal places also have trees on display as well Um, they do sometimes use artificial trees because they last longer I use artificial trees in my house for the simple fact that I cannot keep plants alive (laughs) I, I had a bunch of roses that were supposed to have lasted according to the label um, two weeks I think it was three days they were dead wow I, I have a gift spectacular people ask me why I don't have pets um, they also will fix and redecorate their home in readiness for Christmas um, and in Haiti in Merry Christmas in like because they speak Creole Haitian so it's like a sort of a Creole French now I'm, I'm very probably going to get this wrong <laughs> it's Joey Noé sort of like Joy or Noel um, and yeah because they speak French there as well now on Christmas Eve children will clean their shoes fill them with straw and put them under the tree on the porch in the hope that Santa called Tonton Noel will remove the straw and put presents in and around the shoes oh so if you wake up in the morning and there's still straw in your shoes you've been bad yep um, often lots of houses and neighbourhoods are all open with lights until around 3am um, children are normally allowed to go out and often the parents don't know where they are in the early morning um, all the children are expected to look after the younger ones and children of all ages are allowed to drink anisette which is a slightly alcoholic drink made by soaking anise leaves like star anise in rum and sweetening it with sugar wow yep um, there is still the option of midnight mass church service or carol singing and um, then you come home and eat the main meal called réveillon which is a French term meaning to wake up and it's also what they call the main meal, actually, in France. Um, the, it normally starts in the early hours of Christmas morning and lasts until the dawn. So you start eating about, like, what, half two, three o'clock in the morning? Keep going until dawn, which is about seven. Wow. Four hours of food. Um, Christmas Day is spent most of the time with them sleeping, sleeping off the celebrations from the night before, so Christmas Day is pretty quiet. Um, however, there is more eating later and um, playing with whatever Tonton Noel brings you. Nice. Um, now, Iceland. Iceland actually has a really interesting custom. And I'm just trying to find some information from it because I, I know about it and I'm just trying to think if I can remember it. But it involves giving gifts of books before Christmas to read. Like, on Christmas Eve, you get gifts of books. Very similar to, like, 
because in a newer tradition that's kind of started in the last few years it's like a Christmas Eve box yeah where you give like your children a new set of jammies a hot chocolate and some books to read before you go to bed yeah I think that's a great idea because you know it ties them out now again I'm going to try some pronunciations oh these ones should be fun let's see how this goes I mean no offence so you've got December the 23rd which is Thorlach's Mesa St Thorlach's Day um and he's Iceland's major saint. He's Heilaga Thorlaka Thorhalsson, um, the Bishop of Skarholt. And uh, it was December 23rd is the day he died. And the main custom is eating a simple meal of skate, which is a type of fish. Um, and then the Yule tree is decorated. And it's also a big shopping day for last minute gifts, which to be honest with you, it's probably going to be my shopping day for last minute gifts this year as well. You are actually going on the 23rd. I am. No, I'm going on the 22nd. Oh. 23rd is my wrapping day. See, I've, I've planned a day ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible for that. It's every single year without fail, isn't it? And then you've got the Ad Fangadugo. Yeah. Even you struggled <laughs> on that one. I struggled on that one. It's Christmas Eve. Um, it's celebration start at 6 o'clock. And, uh, in the evening. Yeah, in the evening. And um, it's, it was from an old tradition where the new day actually started at 6pm, not at midnight. And Icelandic children will open their presents after the evening meal, and that's when the Yule celebrations really start. So TV actually used to stop at 5pm and restart at 10pm. See, they should do that now. People would spend more time with their families, I think. Yeah, board games, man, board games. Um, then you've got the Yuladaga, which is Christmas Day, Yule Day. Um, it's usually celebrated with the extended family, and the main meal is Hackingjot, a leg of roast lamb. Ooh. And uh, then you've got a rock ptarmigan game bird, which is usually eaten. Um, then you've got the laffa broth, or leaf bread, um, which is thin sheets of dough cut into delicate patterns and fried. If you've ever seen them, they, they look pretty awesome. Oh, cool. Um, and then each family has their own patterns, so you've got a unique family pattern. Okay, um, then you've got Boxing Day, which is another day for visiting friends and family. And then you've got the Gamlasksfold, which is New Year's Day. And that's uh, one of the most important nights of the year in Iceland. And they've got magical traditions that are supposed to happen on it. You get cows that are meant to be able to talk. Seals take on human form. Elves move house. And the dead rise from their graves. Oh. New Year's Eve, it's fun. They have bonfires um, since the late 1700s. And big fireworks, which is called Sprenga ut arith, or blowing out the year. Right, then you've got the Threatandin. The Epiphany, um, which is the last day of Yule, celebrated with bonfires and elfin dances. Do you uh, wow. have an elfin dance? I don't know. I've seen Buddy from Elf. He can uh, strut his stuff. If you say so. Um, <laughs> many of the magical traditions are actually supposed to happen at Threatandin. And um, one other big co- custom is the coming of the Yolas Vainanir, or the Yuletide Lads. Magical people who come from the mountains in Iceland each day from December the 12th um, till Yule Eve. And a different Yosavian, a Yuletide lad, comes every day. Um, the Yosavina first came to Iceland in the 17th century as the sons of Grilla and Lepaluthi, a couple of child-eating, bloodthirsty ogres. Nice happy Christmas tradition there. Well, it was yep. going so well. And here are their names in English. Are you ready for this? I'll say the English. You say the Icelandic, yeah? Oh, okay. Go on, you go first. Stekjastawa. Gimpy. 
Gilyagawa. Gully Imp. Stufa. Itty Bitty. Thvora Slyker. Pot Scraper Licker. Potter Slyker. Pot Licker. Ask a Slyker. Bow Licker. Hotha Skeller. Door Slammer. Skier Garmer. Skier Gobbler. Skier, like in the Icelandic yogurt. Which I love, by the way. Um, Bjorna Krekir. Sausage Snatcher. Glugger Geiger. Window Peeper. Gutta Theffer. Doorway Sniffer. <laughs> Ket Croker. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> Breathe. Meat Hooker. Kurtis Schnicker. And Candle Beggar. <laughs> They're supposedly playful imps, and they like to they like to eat loads and play tricks on people and sniff doors. <laughs> yep, and leave little presents for children in shoes placed on the windowsill. If they've been naughty, they might leave a potato or a little message telling them to be good. If they start home on Christmas Day, the last one leaving on Threthandin. Um, presents can also be bought by your man. Who do you think your man is? Santa Claus. Yes, the the man of Yule. Um, it's tradition that everyone has a new piece of clothing for Yule and often a book. There we go. The tradition is that the Christmas cat will eat you unless you wear one new piece of clothing on Christmas Day. Yeah. Yep. Children can also receive candles or packs of cards. There are actually no, believe it or not, no native evergreen trees in Iceland. So the first Yule trees were actually rowan, like mountain ash trees. Hmm. And um, the first recorded Yule tree was in 1862. They then decided to start making your trees from there from a central pole with branches attached to it and then painting it green. So if you can't find one, make one. So, I, I, I love Iceland. <laughs> I just, yeah. She does. The bloodthirsty trolls and door-sniffing elves. And, and sausage snatchers. Yep, and uh, potatoes in a shoe if you're naughty. Yep, love it. Love it. Well, um... I think it's come to the end. We could go on and on because there's so many more countries yeah. listed on here, but I'm sure we'll put the link to the, the website that we've used for our notes yes. um, in the description. But now we've come to our resident little... What is it? I don't want to say fun bit because it makes me sound a bit weird. Yep. But it's ridiculous deaths. Um, okay, so basically I'm just going to apologise to any men that are listening oh, yes, for this I death. This. I winced earlier when you said this. Yes. Um, so this is about a man called John Hipper. Okay. Um, he was playing Christmas games on Boxing Day in 1563. As you do. Yep. And it was about 6pm. He was playing it with other um, friends, parishioners of Houghton in Hampshire, mm-hmm. in the house of Thomas Perdue of um, Houghton. Okay. While he was playing his games, he involuntarily crushed himself... And crushed and injured his testicles, so that by reason of his old bodily infirmity, he became ill and languished until about 3am on the 28th of December when he died. So he died because he crushed his testicles. He actually died, what, two, three days later of crushed testicles? Yes. It doesn't say what he was playing. I'm not entirely sure what Christmas game you can play to crush your testicles so badly that you then die it's a very vigorous charade yep yeah <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm not entirely sure what book or what film would actually warrant that I've, yeah let's not get into what films it could be carrie because it's you know pg-13 yeah 
Plus, I don't think they had books or films in the 50s. Well, they had books, but not films in the 15th century. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that goes out to poor old crust testes John Hipper of the 1560s. Ouch. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah, on that enlightening, lovely note, um, we hope you enjoy this next seven days before Christmas, Mm -hmm. and we'll speak to you on the day itself.